<laughs> Praise God. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne of grace where we can find mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And we love you, Lord. We thank you. You know we need you, Lord, but we cry out to you anyway. If we cry out to you, you always hear us. And when we petition you, you respond immediately and quickly. So we thank you, Lord, for the rapid response that we always get when we come to your throne. And we honor you and we love you because of your precious blood. We don't ever want to take it for granted. That's the only reason that we can come towards you. And we thank you for that ultimate sacrifice above and beyond everything that's been ever done for us. We love you and we honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we we need to talk about some, some um, I think, a little bit more foundational um, understanding of our covenant with God. And, and we're going to talk about the high priest of divine health, the high priest of divine health, amen, and uh, the priesthood that really established our covenant and why we have an eternal covenant in God and and how we can uh expect the things that we expect from God and the way that we expect them has to do with the fact that Jesus has an eternal priestly ministry for us. Uh it never began, it never ended, it was always there. And I think if if we get an understanding of how the ministry of Jesus uh, was set in, in place and what it is here to accomplish for us, that gives you more of a solid foundation on which to base your faith in God. Amen. Uh, because many times if our foundation is a little flimsy, you know, the Bible talks about the man who built his house on a rock. And the guy that built it on sand. And I think sometimes we are, we're trying to get rock results with a sand foundation. You know, it's common that people will have a couple of scriptures and think they got it all. Because the word has that effect on us. The word impacts your spirit in such a way that you feel complete. And that is right. We are complete in him. But there are are areas of our lives that haven't quite been developed yet. There are areas of our lives that God is reconstructing. And so the foundation needs shoring up sometimes. In fact, it does on a continual basis. Scriptures that we feel we're standing on, that we understand what and believe. If we would go back and begin to meditate those out and begin to reason with God as to the meaning of them and what he is saying to us and, 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 and that kind of, you know, strengthening our foundation, strengthening what we believe and, and strengthening what we understand, then I think we'll get a better picture of what God is trying to do with us and how he wants to use us and see more results, greater results, better results uh, coming to pass for us, all of that will get greater and better uh, because there is so much to God. And and certainly we, won't, we don't want to be classed with the people who built their lives on sand. 
We want to be classed with the people who built their lives on the rock and understanding what the rock of God's salvation is all about and understanding uh, what it means to have a rock-solid relationship in God and, and not have flimsy things in our foundation that won't stand up. And so, uh, and, and there are times when God will begin to eliminate some things that, that aren't useful anymore. You know, he's always working on us. And, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to think because you, you can compare yourself to somebody else and, and think you've got it all and, and think that, you know, uh, you've got what God really wants you to have. And, but look at the word. When you compare yourself to Jesus, how do you measure up? And that's our goal. Amen. To conform to the image of Christ. There are many, many reasons for it. Some of them are personal, but many of them are kingdom reasons. For instance, I decided when, when, uh, uh, recently that I needed something more to go with my understanding of healing and miracles. And I don't know of a minister that that honestly couldn't say that. Now, you've got some denominational people. They don't believe in that. I'm not talking about them because they'll never think they need anything more. They think because they have eloquent sermons and people sit and listen and, you know, they got big crowds and they got a lot of money that everything's cool. But, see, I'm always striving for more. I'm always, it's just in me to desire more from God. And so you, when you think about it that way, he wants all of us to desire greater, more, just just so we can please him or just so we can can be more secure in what we're doing. You know, as a minister, you can never be too too secure in your ministry. And as a believer also, because believers have the same call, you know, not to the same degree or the same platform, but we all have the same call. To, to eliminate, alleviate human suffering, bring people into the kingdom of safety, into the ark of protection, amen, and make disciples of them, see them grow uh, to a point where they can do the same things. And so I just set about in my heart when, when the Lord had me focus on healing for the past two years, I decided that that meant that not just to present what we we do here but also god give me something else to go with this you know uh, if nothing else it began to make alive and real the fact that i need more from god you know i i need more understanding i need more power and and because we're moving toward the place we have a vision in this ministry habakkuk 2:14 The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory. I don't see that yet. I don't know where you live, but I don't see it. And it'll, it'll cover as the waters cover the seas. Amen. And so when we understand where God's headed, we ain't there yet. So we got, we have more places to go. So we need to expand our vision, expand our understanding. Don't condemn yourself for where you are. Where you are is is a good place, but then there's more. There's more of God to understand. We've been seeing little manifestations of greater glory around here. And I'm very thankful for it. Because that means God is sprinkling it in and getting us ready for the outpour. 
And I promise not to be the one to stand in the way. Amen. I'm all for it. So I want more outpour. I want to be more attentive to what he's doing, more understanding of, of what, what is in store for us, all of that. Um, because we need to be more, more powerfully equipped for what God wants us to do. You know, those of you who work in healthcare, man, do you have an opportunity. Man, touching people and the power of God can manifest on you at any time and you understand what God's doing and you move out the way and let him do what he wants to do. You understand what I'm saying? Those of us who just go to the supermarket, the supermarket was always my harvest field. Till COVID tried to lock down and then I went to the prayer cloth. Ha! Devil, you ain't getting that. Huh? God always has a way to get his power to people. And he wants all believers fully equipped to do the work of the ministry. Amen. Nobody who's lacking in anything. You know, nobody who's lacking in anointing or confidence of what to do, when to do, when the unction comes, what that means and how all that stuff you got to understand. It must be understood by the believer. And so God has got us on a journey, folks, of greater understanding always. Amen. Always. And I know if I need it, you need it. Amen. And so we all are in the same boat here. We're looking for more from God, more understanding, more power, more opportunities, more open doors, you know, and and in the open the door that he's got open for you now, go in and get the full harvest. And I'm not talking about stuff. I'm talking about spiritual things now. You know, the spiritual is much superior to the natural. Amen. You don't believe it when you pass on, try to take some of that stuff with you. The only thing that's going to go with you and your spirit and your soul and the souls that you uh, touched for God. And so you, that's, that's what's important always. So God will give you stuff. Stuff follows you anyway. Amen. Sometimes you need to look behind you and say, oh, stuff, come on now. I, I thought you was back there. Just look around. Oh, stuff. Come on up here, stuff. Talk to me, stuff. You understand what I'm saying? And so you're not worried about stuff. And you're not spending most of your time on your knees crying for stuff. You know, you, you, you can walk with God now and just, come on stuff. Huh? That's what you do. That's what you do. That's scriptural. Amen. You might have to fight the devil for it sometimes. I'm not saying you won't have to address it, but stuff follows you if you follow God. Amen. Praise God. So anyway, we're going to talk then about, um, David. I mean, not David, about the Lord. Jesus Christ in the Melchizedek ministry because priesthood, because that is where, um, our eternal health comes from. Everything that we have in God has been granted to us eternally. And if you understand what that means, that means that nothing temporal can hinder it. I'll say it again because it's based Established in eternity. Nothing temporal can hinder it. Not your sins you committed before you got saved and your little secret stuff that you still hanging on to now. Mm 
Nothing can hinder it. Hmm? <laughs> you thought you was bad. And God allowed bad you every single time. Amen. Huh? He says, yeah, I got this. I canceled that out a long time ago. What you worried for? What you worried about being found out for? You already found out. Amen. You was found out at Calvary. Huh? So all I'm expecting you to do is, is repent and go along with the program and get up every day repentant, going along with the program. God, what can I do for you today? God, yesterday was really a bust. I don't think I did anything right yesterday, Lord. So forgive me for yesterday. Your mercies are new every morning. I thank you that I can walk in your mercy today and every single day. And and my no-nos mess ups and, and don't do it right and all that kind of stuff will not cancel what you did for me from eternity. It won't cancel your health. It won't cancel your blessings of wealth. It won't cancel his goodness towards you and his love for you and his desire to walk with you. Amen. So there's nothing you can do to cancel that. Why? Because the what you could do has been taken care of already. Forever. Throughout eternity. All your stuff that you can do will never cancel it out. So you might as well get up, let him wash you in his blood, and you get with the program. Amen. Keep it moving. Don't don't uh slack down for anything. Amen. <laughs> like uh uh the Shunammite woman told her her driver. She said, Get up there and don't slack down for nothing. Amen. See, that's God's command to us. Don't slack down for anything. But you, Lord, you don't know what I did on. Don't slack down for nothing. What you did does not matter. Because if it did matter, you wouldn't have got saved. See, you're in covenant now. So it definitely don't matter now. If God was going to stop you, he'd have stopped you at the door. You're in the door now. I don't care if you the wildest thing at the party. Huh? Like, uh, who is that? What are the, what are the characters Martin used to do? It was a, it was a man though. Jerome, Romy Rome. Yeah. I don't care if you Romy Rome. Your sins are forgiven, Romy Rome. Huh? And you ain't getting put out the party. God knows how to turn you into his best servant. You got me? So don't even try it. Don't even try to disqualify yourself. Just repent and get up and tell God you're sorry for moping all day long. Amen. Get yourself back in the game. (laughs) Amen. Nobody can put you out. Everybody always sitting on the sidelines wondering, you better get up and get in the game. Amen. Time is T. We down to the third or fourth quarter right about now in God's timetable. Definitely the fourth. You understand what I'm saying? So get on up and get in the game. God, what do I do? Start out by praying. 
Just stay faithful with your prayers you're assigned to. Amen. Walk in love with the brethren. Amen. Oh, the devil's going to try you on it, but you, you know how to love your brother and sister in the Lord. You can override his nonsense. Huh? You know, we, we have to get to the place where nobody's more important in our lives than Jesus. Amen. If he's on the throne and he's first place in your heart, you don't have time to get offended with nonsense with people. You understand what I'm saying? You just have time to love them and serve God and keep it moving. Amen. So, so Jesus then, let me see where, where do I need to start in this divine health? Thank you, Lord. We need to know that the atonement, the blood atonement of Jesus Christ paid and provides for our healing, paid for our healing. The Bible says he was slain before the foundation of the earth. It All of what God spoke and what he did had to be demonstrated. It's got to be demonstrated mainly because we live in the natural. If we lived in the spirit still, we could pick up all this stuff spiritually speaking. But it has to be demonstrated in the natural. So every heaven and earth records everything. Earth has to record. The reason it has to be acted out in the natural is because earth has to record it. Heaven's already recorded it. Heaven's already recorded. Jesus said, I'll go down and save them. Kill me in their place. Don't put them to death. Let me die in their place. He said that from the foundation of the earth. It got acted out at Calvary. Why? For our benefit who are looking with, with eyeballs. See, we can't see in the spirit until we take, until we partake of the blood atonement, then we can see in the spirit. But until then, we could only see in the natural. So everything that God did for Israel that's recorded for our benefit was acting out what he had already established from the foundation of the earth. To bring atonement for our sins that we would die to the flesh and live unto righteousness and Christ in us would be the hope of glory. If Satan had done this, he never would have crucified Jesus. But he played right into God's hands because all he knows is what he can see in the natural and get us to try and, and work out in the natural. And so this was the great revelation of Christ in every believer, the hope of glory. Instead of God on the outside of us all the time, woo! Whenever the devil comes against you, something real big raises up on the inside of you and tells him you can't do it. You understand what I'm, that's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Where he used to come and tell you stuff and intimidate you and keep you. I know I've been bad. I know I didn't do good. How do he come up to you now? The Bible says submit to that big person in you that raises up and resist him and he run in terror. See, our problem is we trying to rebuke this. I rebuke you. Uh-uh. You better let real big rise up in you and talk to him. You know, match for the devil. Never were, never will be. Amen. 
And so God did all of this from the foundation of the earth. The devil didn't even know the trap was laid for him because he walked right into it with his blind, crazy self. And he'll make us the same way if we don't learn how to get in our word, walk in the word, walk in truth, be a person of integrity. Do what you say and say what you do. Amen. Before God and allow God to make that change in us. Amen. And then no demon in hell can stand against us. Amen. All the days of our lives. Praise God. So, so anyway, we have this, the blood atonement provides for our healing and for our health and for every other need we have. But we're, we're going to talk about healing specifically. Amen. So we were healed. Excuse me. When Jesus, we, his healing, the atonement was demonstrated when Jesus was beaten, but we have been healed from the foundation of the earth. Amen. So sin could not take the healing covenant away from us. Now it becomes activated by faith. When you say yes to the Lord, when you say repent of your sins and God forgives you, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you and he begins to teach you how to walk in divine hell, teaches you how to walk in that place where the enemy touches you not. Amen. So he becomes our comforter, our leader, and our guide. And so if if you fall out, I don't care who you fall out with, don't fall out with the Holy Ghost and learn how to do things that are pleasing to him and don't make him, you know, uh, have to distance himself from you and what you do. You understand what I'm saying? And, and live close to God. So uh, <clears throat> according to 1 Peter 2.24, let me turn there so I can read it. Where you at, Peter? It says, who his own self, his self by himself, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, now that he bore that and we said yes to him, we are dead to sins and are alive unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. So, so we, we have been returned to the shepherd and bishop of our souls through the atonement. Amen. We used to stray and wander around and do what we wanted to do. But now we've been returned to the safety of the one who can lead us and guide us and oversee our lives. And so the fact that that sin separated us is not an issue anymore now that we've received the atonement. The atonement is the eternal work. So it's a permanent work. It has the power to outlast anything that came during the fall. Or that is a product of this world. Amen. This world system. Satan is, is the God of this world. We handed that over to him in the fall in the garden. So he has the power to run things and influence people and, and do what he wants to do until he meets up with a child of God. Once he meets up with a child of God who's walking with God, his power is annihilated. That's why he's always harassing us. You know, not beyond where God would allow him, though. You understand what I'm saying? 
God wants us to, to do our own fighting, not wait on him to do everything. You know, people were sitting up wondering when God's going to do something. He's giving you the authority to do it. Huh? So use what he gave you. He's not your errand boy anymore. He expects you to do stuff. Amen. Like my mother would do me when we, you know, kids would chase you in the house and, you know, I'd run in there, try to act like I wasn't running for nobody. She said, girl, you better get right back out there and fight them. Said, don't you come running in here from nobody no more. Do you understand me? You don't run from the devil. He's got no power. The only power he has, he has to borrow off us through believing his lies and letting him stall us and do what he wants to do. He'll always pick at those areas that used to be a problem for you. I said used to be. Now that you're blood bought, they're not a problem anymore. Amen. And so if you understand that and you walk in the knowledge of it, you can walk in faith that God is taking care of you in spite of what you think about yourself from time to time and in spite of what you slip up and do. Because you're not being tight about walking with him. Amen. He even fact that it's called mercy, folks. Well, he's a merciful God. He understands what it's like to walk around the flesh body and have the devil buffet you. He went through 40 days and 40 nights of that nonsense. Why'd he do that? So to make him a faithful high priest. So he couldn't be given lip service to I know what you're going through. You know how we do each other. I know what you mean. You have no idea what... <laughs> And we, we have no idea what one another goes through, but he does. He's the only one who can claim that. Amen. And so, so when we think about all that he has undertaken for us, we see how he can be faithful. We see how he, he's, he's earned a name that's above every name. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, that his name is exalted over the whole earth because of what he has done for us amen for us so so we we were we received our healing when we received the atonement when you said yes to christ you received healing amen you received it already if you'll allow yourself to embrace that and believe it so if you have symptoms in your body you're not waiting on god to do anything amen he's waiting on you to receive it so that he can make it real to you, so that he can manifest it in the full. Amen? And so until it's fully manifested, just continue to to minister. Let the word minister to you. Let it let it meditate on it. Mutter it to yourself. Well, God, you, you did that. You You already did that, Jesus. Oh, yeah, you did that. And then you let your soul be at peace and at rest again. Well, Lord, I thank you that that you've already healed me and I'm looking for, I'm expecting my symptoms to go away. Father, I thank you that I'm more healed today than I was yesterday. And and Lord, I just want you to show me how to work with you to get a complete 
completeness to my healing. Amen. And and after that, you've done having done all stand. Just begin to stand on it. Thank him for it. Continue to expect it. Let him do what he needs to do, but keep it before the Lord in a good way. Amen. Not in a questioning way. What did I do wrong? And how did I miss God? And oh boy, what's going No, You don't wring your hands. Your covenant allows for you to have peace about everything that you're expecting God to do. So we need to expect more and question less. Amen. You don't need to question what you need to do. You can't do nothing. The Bible says only believe. You can't go to the cross. You can't do. You don't qualify to go there. The one who qualified already did everything necessary. And see, if we spend more time convincing ourselves of these things, you know what I'm saying? Your 15-minute prayer ain't going to get it. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Where do these people get this in there? You know, they, they on YouTube and getting five, five, five hundred thousand likes. Well, sure, anything that's going to cut corners is going to get a lot of likes. Amen. <laughs> I see Christians on there. Some of these women need to get off there with what they got on. And you see other Christians, pastors checking like beautiful, beautiful. Well, she ain't got no clothes on almost. Or it's so tight. The devil likes everything. He'll hit you up with a lot of likes. See how crazy you're going to get. Next thing you know, they ain't got almost nothing on. And then somebody will send them something to wake them up. Or God will tell them, you shouldn't have done that. Then they all embarrassed because everybody's seen it already. Well, he was trying to, to bring your chain when you was just thinking about it and tell you, don't do that. Don't put that on there. Yeah, right. And see, praying for a husband. The good men already know what you're about. If you go on there, look like that in public, they don't want to be in a, a holy man, a man who loves God. Pastor Bob, we was talking about something. I know it's talking about something else. Talking about the blood atonement. I'm still on, I'm still on point. Amen. If that's you, you then you can repent. That's all I can tell you. Repent and quit being crazy. Quit getting caught up in that vanity spirit that's all over social media. All over it. Amen. Praise the Lord. So. <laughs> I think I'll I will go to the Melchizedek in Genesis 14. We'll start there <clears throat> so that you can get an understanding of why the priesthood of Jesus is so unique, so different, so all-encompassing. Now, we who are New Testament priests, you, me, everybody who's born of his spirit, is a royal priesthood unto God, which means that in Melchizedek, royalty and service before God were rolled up into one person. So think about it this way. If the President of the United States were anointed to minister and 
stand in the office of president. He would have power in two realms, the natural realm and the spiritual realm. That's what we have. Do you understand? It was necessary. It is necessary because we must have power and authority in heaven and earth and under the earth. Because that's where Jesus' dominion is. He has all authority in heaven and earth and under the earth has been given to him. He is the head of all principality and power. And they have been placed under his feet. Amen. So under the earth bows to him. Heaven bows to him. Earth bows to him. Amen. And so he has given his body that authority and we need it. Because we need authority in all three realms. So when you speak the word of God, and, and we do it all the time, don't discount your prayers. When you pray that prayer manual, don't discount what that word is doing that you pray. Amen. Because I've seen it work for so many years now. Most of you all notice a difference in your life from having prayed them for a season. Amen. The more you pray them, the more benefit you get out of it. And so once you understand what God is having you do, he's having you bind principalities and powers. That's a spiritual realm. And then you begin to declare what you want to see manifest out of your authority. So you begin to declare his word of blessing. My children will hate sin and the devil. They will worship God all the days of their lives. Amen. And and begin to decree a thing. And you will see it eventually shape up to what God says. I was recently speaking with someone and they had told me something that one of their uh, uh, grandchildren had reported to them about something they were challenged to do, but they knew it was, was God prompting them to do it. And they stood up for themselves and, and reported somebody who was not doing the right thing in their school. And the Lord showed me when I was I was sitting there talking to that person and I was looking at the seed of the righteous prayer. And the Lord said, tell her that her granddaughter obeyed numbers one through nine in order. So in order that they're spoken over her all of these years, she has heard that in the realm of the spirit. And the Holy Spirit gave that to her and she obeyed it right down the line. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is opening up encouragement for us, folks. Revelation, that his word is true, and we can see it working in the lives of, of in everything that we pray for, if we look for it. Amen. you got to be attentive to what God is doing. He'll help you out. He really wants to help us out if we'll do those things. So in Genesis 14 and verse 18, I think it is, This is after Abraham has to go in and rescue Lot. I think Lot is in Gomorrah. Not sure where he is right now. Yeah, Gomorrah. And so the this city has been attacked. So it's bad news from Gomorrah already. You understand what I'm saying? Abraham and Lot split up. Lot chooses instead of praying, he chooses what he what looks like good. Amen. Said he looked and saw a land 
And it looked like that's where he wanted to live and that's where he went. So when you just follow the natural realm, you're going to get in trouble. Lot was part of Abraham's family. He knew better. He knew to set up his own altar. He knew to worship God. Come on now, y'all. Because God held him accountable for it. So, so as if Abraham, if Lot had been obeying God, Sodom wouldn't have been as bad as it was. Just a thought. In verse 17, where am I at? 17. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him, Abraham, after his return from the slaughter of Chedorlamar and the kings that were with him at the valley of Shaveh, which was, which is the king's dale, and Melchizedek, king of Salem. People believe there's two towns this could be, it, well, could have been in, 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 uh, the kingdom after, after Moses and Israel set up God's permanent kingdom. Uh, they believe it was the city of Jerusalem as it was during their time. Could have been another place, but, but there's evidence that it was Jerusalem. So Jesus had possession of Jerusalem long before he brought his people there. He was king and priest there already. See, this is good for us because God lets us know that there was already a priesthood and a royal line set up for his people so that what he did for them on earth would have permanent status and could never be taken away from them. So here Melchizedek is there. And he blessed him. He said, and, and uh, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. Which makes him a priest. Bread and wine was always symbolic of covenant. It was always symbolic of revelation. It was always, you notice that when Jesus, this is, this is our memorial to our new covenant as well, bread and wine. Whenever you see bread and wine, you see the covenant of God with his people. Jesus left bread and wine for us even now. It proves that's who he is. When he appeared to people after his resurrection, they recognized him during what? The breaking of bread. That's when their eyes were open to know who he was. So that's been established since forever. Melchizedek is the eternal priest. And he says, and, and blessed Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. So Melchizedek is a priest of the high, of God who pos, who owns everything. In other words, our God. He has everything under his possession. He's the high, Melchizedek is the highest priesthood that you could have. And he says, and bless the most high God, which had delivered thine enemies into thine hand. Blessed be the most high God who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him tithes of all. So Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. So the priesthood that Israel established, this is why it was done away with. It was already under the authority of a superior priesthood. Levi, who hadn't even been born yet, who was the seed of Abraham, is paying tithes to Melchizedek already. 
So he's paying the the law had to be done away with because there's a superior priesthood that he's subjected to already. So that Old Testament had to be done away with. It was never meant to be permanent because it was weak, because it pertained to the flesh, but it was also weak because there was a superior priest holding on to the people of God. So all the times that Israel would backslide and wouldn't serve God anymore, the priesthood would get scattered. You see Levites going out uh, trying to buy land and doing farming. and all. They never did that stuff before. God was their portion. So when they served God, the priesthood functioned and functioned well. When they didn't serve God, the priesthood fell apart. The whole, the whole nation of Israel should have disappeared a long time ago if the Levitical priesthood were holding it together. But it never was. There was a higher priesthood holding the whole thing together. Even though that fell apart, God could always petition somebody. That's how the prophets could be released to come and talk to the people and warn them and tell them what God was going to do. The prophets were held together by the, the Melchizedek priesthood, not the Levitical one. That's how a prophet could be a priest himself. He wasn't doing it under the authority. The Levites were the legal priests over Israel. How then could a prophet come and make offerings and sacrifices to God? Melchizedek was holding him up. See, Melchizedek holds up everything even when Levi fails. In other words, he's holding your life even when you you understand? He's holding up your kids even when your kids don't do right. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's not letting the whole thing fall apart. And through that priesthood, God was able to send messengers to his people to gather them back together again, even though they had been scattered. He's sending me- he sent messengers to them now to gather them back together again, even though they have been scattered. God is holding Israel. Melchizedek is holding Israel together. Jesus is Lord over that that nation. Amen. And Lord over that people and Lord over us. And all that we can tell him, tell about him to bring them into his kingdom. Amen. So the, the Melchizedek priesthood superior to the Levitical. It's proven over and over again because Levi pays tithes to Melchizedek through Abraham. Amen. And so uh Abraham then so Abraham paves his tithes to Melchizedek to lock up his covenant of blessing to God. And Abraham says this. He says, and the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons. In other words, you've helped me in this war. I want to repay you. He says, just give me the people that you rescue, give me my people and just keep all the gold and the silver and the goods. When people went to war, they stripped people of everything. You understand? They took everything. Why would you risk your life, subdue a people and let them stay rich? They could get powerful again to, to take over again from you. So you strip them of everything, all their power, all their wealth, everything. So the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and keep the goods for yourself. 
Abraham said to the king of Sodom, he says, I've already sworn. How did he swear? How did he lift up his hand to the Lord, the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth? How did he do that? But with what he just did, he gave the tithe already. Amen. To Melchizedek of the spoils. Amen. Gave him a tenth of all. He says, I don't want to take anything from you, brother. You take your stuff. He says, I've already lifted up my hand to the Lord, the most high God. In other words, I've gone way over your head. What you can give me will not help me at all. See, this is what what we need to understand about God's help versus man's help. Once you've lifted up your hand to God through saying yes to Jesus, amen, and you're a giver, you tithe to him, amen. If you don't have faith to tithe, just your confession will hold you, amen, till you understand what, what you're doing when you tithe. You got me? And so once you, once you do that, you, you have confessed Christ as your Savior and Lord, the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread even to a shoe latchet and that I will take, take, take anything that's yours lest you go around saying I made Abram very rich. So heaven and earth records this day that the descendants of Abraham depend on God and God alone. This is what tied them into having to obey God. And when they would drift off from obedience to God, then God would have to drift off from obedience to him. It's what your ancestors swear over you that had power then. It has a degree of power even now. You go to a doctor and the first thing they're going to ask you, how's your mother and father, what's your mother and father die of it? Check off what they had, heart disease. See, there's that ancestral claim. Now, we cancel it with the blood of Jesus if we're smart. Amen. We obey God. A lot of people don't, even Christians. They still live live under the burden of what somebody else in the family. I knew I was going to get that. Who told you that? I'm with God. We're Adam in the garden. Who told you you didn't have no clothes on? Huh? Who told you that? God always questions the source of our our knowledge. So wealth and riches follow Abraham's faith. You need to know that. You don't have to buy somebody's 24 CD teaching on how to get wealthy. Just believe God and rebuke the devil and don't take no for an answer. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's as simple as getting saved. Huh? He says, I won't take a thread, even a shoe latchet, that I will not take anything, lest at any time you say I made him rich. Only, he said, the only thing I want is what the young men have already eaten. Amen. You can't get that back. Unless there's something wrong with you. You understand what I'm saying? But, but that was it. Just the provision for them as they went. But Abram, Abraham made his security in God over and over and over again. This is one of the reasons he, he get, he, as he walks with God, he gets so locked into God. 
into God's word, believing God's word, honoring God. Everywhere he goes, he honors God. So it wasn't just Abraham went down to Egypt and came out wealthy, all that kind of stuff. You can see things indicate that how we honor God. What do you do to make sure God knows that you love him and that he loves you? You give him the first of everything. You think of him first. Amen. The first fruits go to God. Your first waking hours go to God. Your first words that you speak, uh, honor God, bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Worship you, Lord. Thank you for giving me a day today. Amen. So when we honor God and the first of everything goes to him, the rest of it will follow. Amen. And he will honor us back. He will honor us by honoring our prayers and honoring our faith and everything that we need. Amen. Everything that we need, uh, God will take care of us. Amen. Our covenant is a blood signed legal document and it expresses the will, responsibilities and benefits of a life described within his words. So your covenant with God, the, the, the Bible, all of it, expresses what what all the it it details all the what you would say the terms of God's covenant with us and it also outlines what our responsibility is within it Melchizedek is a minister of uh, Jesus I'm sorry is a minister after the order of Melchizedek if we turn to Hebrews chapter 6 I hope you're getting something out of this because I, once you understand that your position in God is legal and it's right and it can't be broken, it, it, you can't break it yourself. You know, I don't care what people tell you about people and, and they, you know, they curse God on their deathbed and all that. That ain't your business. You know, salvation belongs to the Lord. You know, sometimes we, we don't even know what God is doing with these people. You just don't know. Amen. You have no idea. So anyway, uh, uh, Hebrews 6, let me see what it says here. I think I'm on the right. Start in verse 13. It says here, for when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so, after he had, now see, this is where the preaching of the gospel and the increase in the kingdom comes in. It's an Abrahamic promise. It goes back that far. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all men. That's this right here, coming to pass, multiplying. And so, after he had patiently endured He obtained the promise for men truly swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. We're talking about people dealing with people. Whenever people deal with people, if somebody swears that they'll do something, that ends all controversy. You've twisted their arm as much as you can to make sure that there's some security for what they promise you. Amen. And so a man-to-man covenant, an oath of confirmation is the end of all strife. So all of the promises of God have been confirmed to us already through his oath, through his sworn oath. Amen. And so it says here, we're in God willing more abundantly 
to show unto the heirs of promise. God wants to show you why you should put your faith in him. He doesn't mind you questioning, God, how can I know you're going to do this? How am I going to know you're going to heal me? How am I going to know you're going to protect my kids? How am I going to know that? And then you stop questioning for some reason. Wait a minute now. Now we've all been there. You've been praying and believing God for something for days and then the devil starts telling you, oh, you done messed up. How come it didn't come now? And what you going to do with that? And what you going to do? Are you like that now? Are you thinking that way now? No, that lasted for a good two days until you got sick of it. Huh? And you went back to believing God. That's an oath of confirmation. It ends all strife within you that God's word will fail. If for no other reason you say to yourself, shoot, I felt better when I was confessing the word. I felt better when I was trusting God. Huh? That's a blood, that, the blood did that to your brain. That's a blood washed brain. That's an oath of confirmation. It got confirmed to you again. And it'll get confirmed to you again and again and again. I don't care how many times you doubt. People say things like, well, I'm doubting the word. Yeah, but you believe in it too. Who's going to win? Who are you going to let win? The oath of confirmation. And for those of us who get real slow sometimes, like I do, You go open your Bible and the first thing you read is the same thing you've been standing on the word for. And God tells you again. He reiterates it again. Or you go up for prayer and the first thing out of preacher's mouth is what God told you already. Here you go again. Then the tears show up. God, I'm sorry. I've been doubting you again. What's working in you is the blood and the oath of confirmation. It ends all strife. You get convinced that you're healed. At some point, you finally get convinced and the the pills stop coming in your house. Doctor tells you you don't need them anymore. Huh? That's the oath of confirmation. It resides in all of us. Everybody who's blood bought, washed and blood bought has that operating on the inside of them. It'll get activated whenever your spirit man hears the word. That oath of confirmation will come and settle you back into peace. I don't care how nutty you want to get about it. It'll come in and settle you into peace. Amen. You won't be wrung out forever doubting God. <laughs> huh? Well, as you try to run away somewhere, David said, where can I go to escape you? If I make my bed in hell, you're down there. If I go to heaven, you're up there too. Huh? Can't get away from that. Why? The blood speaks from eternity. This wasn't no new thing that, that God didn't just shed blood when you got saved. 
It was already saved for you to get the benefit of it the minute you walked into the kingdom of God. Amen. <laughs> you can act like Romy Rome all your saved life if you want to, but you ain't getting thrown out of nowhere. Why? Because there's an oath over what's been spoken. Not just a promise. Anybody can make a promise. Promises will run in and run out of your brain. Huh? Somebody tell you they're going to do something for you and they don't do it and you forget about it. Amen? That's the that's the impact of a promise. But an oath makes it stick. It confirms it. Can't be moved out. Can't be removed. It can't be erased. Amen? Can't be. That blood has been shed in advance. Man-to-man covenants, they promise to give their lives in exchange for yours if they renege on it. They just promise it. And that's accepted as a man's confirmed oath. But Jesus already did it. So yours is pre-sealed already in his blood. So he's not just promising he will take his life if he not, if he don't give you something. He took his life already. He laid it down. So the penalty price has been paid. So he can't renege on it because a prepaid penalty has already been paid. So it'll come to pass. You keep doubting it if you want to. The cleanup woman will come and get benefit from it. But it's going to happen. I was praying for my boyfriend to get saved. and He didn't get saved. Yes, he did. He married that girl that was in church after you left looking for somebody else. Huh? That's why he says, I can't deny. He said, when you're faithless, if you give up believing, he said, I'm going to stay faithful because I can't deny I promised that to you. See, I'm going to do that, but I'm gonna, you may not get the benefit of it, but I'm going to do it anyway. They'll teach you walking off from God and his promises. See, he's a prayer partner. You, you'll learn better than to try and walk off from stuff. From him as your prayer partner. Huh? You'll learn to stick with him. So, here we are, we're, we're in um, Hebrews chapter 6. He says, it's confirmed by an oath, two immutable things. God's locked him into two concepts that can't be changed. They're immutable, unchangeable. If he says, I will heal you, your body, he means everything that's wrong with your body. Not just some stuff. See, we like to believe God until we feel better. And he's trying to keep his word, which does not go by our feelings. He's still working on you to be 100% totally healed. Not the feel better thing. Amen. His word is still working in you to eliminate every single symptom. Amen? It just is. So we might as well get with the program. Start thanking him for total. 
total everything. Amen. It's impossible for him to lie. Not that he won't, he can't. Everything he says is true. It has to come to pass. Amen. He says, we're supposed to have, God did this to keep us from letting the devil worry us to death about when it's going to happen. Hello? Why would he give a strong consolation? Why didn't he just say consolation? Anybody can console you and pat you on the head and say you feel better. But strong consolation comes from a place of eternity. So give a strong consolation, God. Give me something that's going to keep me from worrying and shaking every time the devil tells me I can't have it. That's strong consolation. Amen. So we've, we've fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope that's set before us. So if, if, if you run to God as your savior and your Lord and your help, he's not going to let the devil keep harassing you about you can't have stuff. He's not going to let him drive you crazy like you, you're, something's wrong with you and the reason it hasn't happened yet is because of this, that, and the other. He's not going to let that happen to you. Strong consolation overrides anything that's of this temporal world. And every lie of the devil will be put down and put to flight. I don't care if somebody has to help you receive the word with the anointing. Go up at the altar and you get prayer again and it zaps in there you shake that nonsense off your brain and finally get it on the inside of you amen god he's the author and finisher of your faith even he knows when your faith is wavering faith is fail he told peter i prayed for you already your faith won't fail you so it's never a problem of your faith in fact you don't have any problem just keep thanking god for it and keep believing keep yourself in the spirit amen Go eat a fruit of peace or love or gentleness or can go, go eat some fruit. Amen. Praise God. So, so he says, you've already fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope of Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've already arrived here. He says, which hope we have as an anchor for the, not your spirit, but your Know what your soul does? It drifts. I can have it. I can't have it. I can have it. I can't have it. I already got it. I lost it. I wish I could have it. I'm not good enough. Why did I do that? That's your soul. God put an anchor of hope there. So you can drift all day long and get seasick if you want to, but at the end of the day, before you go go to bed, say, God, my hope is still in you. I still have it. I still believe you for it. I don't care what kind of a rocky day I had today. See, you need an anchor for your crazy soul. 
You know the thoughts the devil will shoot through your brain all day long. Just don't let him change your mind. You stay anchored in hope. I know what I prayed for, God. I know what I'm believing you for, God. And I still believe you. I'm still holding on. And let that anchor you in hope. The Bible talked about prisoners of hope. That's us. You can't get away from that hope in God. And don't let the devil steal your hope in the things God's going to bring to you any either. God says you're healed. Start acting like it. Amen. Start thanking God for it. Amen. Start expecting change even a little bit every day. And reach out for that change. So it says it's an anchor. It's the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor for our soul, both sure and steadfast. And which enters into within the veil where the forerunner is entered. Even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's why your hope won't go anywhere. Before the devil got to you, Jesus had already locked you up in his hope. Huh? The devil's just playing games with you, trying to make you think he's got power. Amen. You stay out of condemnation. The, 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 the power we give him is what we refuse to let go of in our minds. People who let the devil bug them with their wrongdoings and tell them they're no good and all that, finally they could, he convinces them that's true and they backslide. Amen. They let go of that anchor of hope. Condemnation is your biggest enemy. Don't sit up and beat yourself up and don't let the devil beat you up and don't feel bad about nothing you did. Repent and ask God to forgive you and get your cleansing. There are people who think they're, they're forgiven. They may be a little bit, but they're not cleansed. You can tell because they're sensitive about it. <laughs> Always defensive. That's a sure tip off. You ain't cleansed. Because if you were cleansed, you wouldn't need to defend yourself. Huh? Every time you do something wrong, you got a reason for an excuse for it. You got to explain yourself to people. Well, that's another sermon. I see that ain't going nowhere. That ain't flying up in the air. That's a sermon for another day. But learn how to stay in that place till you get cleansed. God, I'm not coming out till I'm cleansed. I'm getting rid of this. Just a thought. See, when I tell you there's more, there's always more for all of us. You understand me? You keep being sensitive in, in like that and expect God to use you. The first demon that comes up to you and you go up to the altar, want to start praying for people, start ministering that prayer line. First devil that comes up and starts reading your mail and accusing you of stuff, you go back down and start crying. Or even out on the street. You go up to somebody in the supermarket. Some religious demon. Well, no, I don't need prayer. I need to pray for you. 
and you let them. Oh! <laughs> I figure I let out another different kind of whale. Cleansing will take care of that stuff. Where you're not insecure about your position in God. When you stand in the anointing, you're protected and you're shielded. Amen. That anointing perfects the things you do. You're not doing it out of your own soul anymore. Amen. Amen. Anyway, I'm going to stop. My mind went somewhere else. I'm going to keep it right here in Hebrews chapter 6. So now we drop down to 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, we met him in Genesis 14, priest of the Most High God. King and priest. In God's kingdom, there was never a priest without, I mean, a king without a priesthood attached to it. Amen. Until the time of Levi. They've always been connected and merged together. When Abraham's natural seed began to be born, they were split off. So the king stood as king alone and the priesthood functioned as his service and then the prophets functioned as priest and prophet but not king. So in a weaker covenant, God has to split stuff up. This new covenant, it's not new, it's, it's eternal, but it's new to us because it replaced the old. They're merged again. So we're kings and priests of the Most High God. Believers are. We are a royal priesthood. You're not a queen without having servant attached attached on to you. You ain't queen of nothing. Or king of nothing either. You might be that in your little household for a minute till y'all get mad at each other. But in God's kingdom, folks, it's a functioning, working priesthood. Amen. Jesus Christ being the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So it says here, he a priest of the most high God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of kings. We just read that and blessed him to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First being of interpretation, king of righteousness. So he was king. He was able to minister for people for the forgiveness of sin so that they could find faith toward God. Amen. This is what you want. You want somebody who has access to the throne room. That's why when Abraham described him, he called him possessor of heaven and earth. This is as high as you can get. He swears by no higher, so he swears by himself. Amen. And so it says, to whom Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being interpreted king of righteousness, 
and also after king of Salem, which is king of peace. So that describes Jesus to a T. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, eternal, but made like unto the Son of God, he abides a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was unto him whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And truly they that are of the sons of Levi, those are the priesthood, out of Abraham's, his natural descendants, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, although they come out of the loins of Abraham. But it's a lesser tithe. Why? Because it was done away with. So that the, the superior one could be established. But he whose descent is not counted from them, higher, received tithes of Abraham, their father, and blessed him that had the promises. So even though the natural priesthood of Levi failed, and it failed, If it didn't fail, Jesus Melchizedek would not have to come down in the form of Jesus Christ to take over the priesthood. That's why Jesus could go in the temple and preach. That's how he could go. You know, people see that sometimes and they'll say stuff like, well, uh, uh, you know, if, if they're out of order in somebody's church, want to go tell the preacher what to do and all this. Well, Jesus, Jesus taught, Jesus did that. Excuse me. He's a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He could do whatever he wanted to do. He was superior to Levi. He was superior to the temple service. He was superior to everything. That's how he could go and do it. What he did without penalty, without being out of order without being rebuked by the Pharisees and Sadducees, even though they were the rulers of the synagogue? How did Jesus get up and, and, and do what he did and the ruler of the synagogue had to sit by and let him? It was this. He's a higher order of priest, eternal priest after the order of Melchizedek. How could he be anointed of the Holy Ghost and disobey the people in the temple and teach people to disobey him. He said, you can listen to them and, and, and listen to what they say. They got the word and that's cool, but don't pattern yourself after them because they say and don't do. Huh? He got his authority from eternity. Amen. He's a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And he says, their descent, verse 6, their descent is not counted. From them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that, that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. So Jesus came with a better covenant based on better promises, even than the one God had established through Levi. When God can do better, he does better. Amen. So we're living in better now. We are living in the fullness of the Melchizedek priesthood because Jesus lives in all of us. Now, he is the head of the church worldwide. 
And he honors the man or the woman of God who he put in charge of that meeting or whatever. And they do have authority over anybody else. So you can't do what he did. You can't come in there and use authority in somebody's house. He's already put in there authority over them. You got to have permission. That's his system. He won't cause conflict and confusion in his church. And if they're out of order, he'll deal with them. You don't have to go up and try to tell nobody how to run nothing. Go get your own little red wagon. Run that. As I say, as I may also say, Levi also who received tithes paid tithes in Abraham. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. If therefore perfection This is Paul straightening people out that like the old Jewish law, couldn't let it go. He said a perfection whereby the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law. What further need was there that another priest should arise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. So we switched over to Melchizedek. You and I function out of the authority of the Melchizedek priesthood, the eternal one, without beginning, without end. For he of whom these things are spoken pertains to another tribe of which no man gave attendance to the altar. So Jesus came out of the tribe of Levi. I mean, out of Judah. He didn't even come out of Levi. So what springs up after, what springs up out of these 12 tribes It's a different priesthood over here that is superior to one. God already knows Levi is not going to finish the job. It was just a tool to teach people right from wrong. All of that to teach his people right from wrong. Why? So we don't have an excuse. For the priesthood being made, being changed, there is made of necessity also a change of the law. For he to whom these things are spoken pertains to another tribe, which no man gave attendance at the altar. There were no priests from the tribe of Judah, not even close. For it is evident that our our Lord sprang from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there rises another priest who is made not after the law or of a carnal commandment, but rather after the power of an endless life. For he testified, though thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness, unprofitability of it. God said through Levi, I'm going to let y'all manage each other. I'm going to let you take care. I'm going to give you the the law, the ordinances, I'm going to let you take care of each other and see how far you get. And they didn't get very far. So because that 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 system was shown to be weak, because it was carried out through the flesh, God disannulled it. He said, I'm coming with something better. The blood's better. I'm going to have my shit, my son shed his precious blood to put an end to that. The shedding of Jesus' blood put an end to the Levitical priesthood, put an end to the law. Why? He fulfilled it and carried it out so there was no need for it anymore. 
Once a law is fulfilled, there's no need for it anymore. Amen? If you stop at the stop sign, after you stop, then you can go through the intersection. That sign did its job. The law did its job. So now you're free to go. Amen? It's the same thing with any law. Once you obey it, you're free from it. Now, that's another story. I'm not going to go there with y'all. But anyway, y'all looking for me to stop. He says, but this man, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. That means he don't change his mind about giving you what you believe in for. You better get to getting and get the devil out your mind and go to believing it again. Amen. You better be get busy setting your hand at something God will approve of so he can bring it to you faster. Amen. You might as well accept what he's telling you as belonging to you and embrace it because he ain't changing. He's an unchangeable priest. He's ministering over your confession. If you give him a decent one to minister over instead of questions and doubts, amen, give him back his word. God, you said, even if you just halfway believe it, tomorrow you'll all the way believe it. Or next week you're all the way. One of these days you go all the way believe it. Amen. Because it's there, it, it's never going to change. He's not going to change his desire to bless you. He's not going to change his desire to fulfill his word in you. He's not going to change anything he ever promised you. So you best get to getting and get with it. Get to accepting it and believing him. Because it's been written in stone in eternity. This belongs to you and nobody else but you. Amen. All right, we can stop. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you for giving us an eternal priesthood, Lord. These things have been given to us for the foundation of the earth. Father, I thank you that each and every one of us will hide this in our hearts, that these promises are backed up by an oath and it's better. We have better things than trying to be obedient and earn something. We just need to love you, Lord, and believe you. Feast on your word. Fellowship with you, understand you, and let your you fill our minds and our hearts with your goodness, Lord. That's our part. That's our part in this covenant, Lord, to allow, to let, to allow you to transform us allow you to overturn what the enemy's done make us fresh and brand new every single day that we can walk in your newness and we thank you lord and we bless you in jesus name praise god amen let's do our declaration i don't have rona and she don't have me i can't get rona and she can't get me And I thank you, Jesus, that by your stripes, we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It's so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.